Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Unwiring Minds. This is Raquel Pazberja, your host, and today we have James Jordan with us. He is the founder of Healthcare Data Center, and he's the president of Stratactic. And he is here to talk to us about AI and healthcare and how it has its benefits and it also has its drawbacks. So I'll let you get right to it. Well, thank you. I mean, we're so excited now with ChatGPT out and all that's going on with artificial intelligence. And so people are constantly saying, how does this apply to healthcare? And so perhaps we can start out with the audience by giving them a, a vision of where we'd love to be. So the whole concept is we'd eventually like to be at the point where we have a digital health system where everything's connected, where our watches and our mobile apps and our wearables are all telling us uh, our health status, because actually something like 60 to 70% of all actionable health data happens outside of the health system, right? So that's what we want to get to. And I think COVID has taught us the necessity of having a real-time healthcare system where our ability to understand demand and market needs are, are all connected. So if you look at the CDC today, you can actually go on and you can see a map of where COVID is, and you can actually go down to your individual hospital, right? That did not exist three years ago. So the vision of a healthcare system is leveraging all our digital technologies and, and having this data connected so we have sort of real-time monitoring. But with that, we have some concerns. So the government has put out a lot of policies on expanding and, and having interoperability so that things talk to each other. But we also have these cybersecurity concerns because the fact of the matter is that a healthcare record is worth three times more in the black market than a social security card, right? So right now I could have my card stolen and I can shut it down. But if someone has my identity, they're good till the day I die. And so a kind of an amusing story, my, my dad many years ago needed a, a, a cataract surgery and he had one done in his right eye and when he went to get his left eye done they denied him because they said he already had one in wisconsin and he grew up in massachusetts <laughs> so obviously his identity was stolen and so these are real issues in cybersecurity because the issue is as we expand our connections every new connection is an opportunity for breaking and so that's that's a real challenge. So with all that, this topic of how does artificial intelligence as a tool help us? And I think of the um, if you go to the carnivals or you go to the the beach, they have the whack a mole game. You know where the the moles come up, and and the fact of the matter is we can spend our energy as a health system whacking the moles, or we can use artificial intelligence to help us find patterns so that we can be very selective and purposeful in, in how we're doing things. And so that's sort of the, the vision, but we're really not as connected today as, as we need to be. And part of that is due to our cautiousness as a healthcare system. So everyone has this vision of, someone said to me the other day, well, we're gonna have chat GPT in an operating room. We will never have chat GPT in an operating room. The fact of the matter is we're in a regulated business and these data sets need to be have security. They need to be audited and that's how the healthcare system works. So what we see today, artificial intelligence playing out is in precision medicine. So for example, if you had a certain disease, there's a company in California called um, Ariel Therapeutics and they, they focus on pancreatitis. And if you don't monitor pancreatitis, it's going to turn into prostate, um, pancre sorry, pancreatic cancer, which we all know is, 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 um, has a high mortality to it. So the question is, how can we use artificial intelligence 
to to help people along that journey. Because if you think about a general practitioner who's got 100 patients or 1,000 patients, and maybe only one has this issue, there might be something that that patient shows up with that's so subtle. Let's think of psoriasis, something really ridiculous. For you and me, it slaps some cream on it. For that person, we need to take action to stop them going down that pathway. And so that's where precision medicine is, is coming in. But at this point in time, it's inside the hospital system. It's sort of very discreet. And I think your audience has probably heard about, you know, medical robotics. Yeah. So we have surgical robotics that's doing a, a great job. And in past few years, there's been huge advancements in the orthopedic area. Um, I think of one particularly augmented reality company where you put the patient on the table, you, as a surgeon, you would preoperatively plan your approach, the angles where the screws go in and all these kinds of things. But imagine the patient gets on the table and you move them and all of a sudden everything's changed, right? So what they offer today is the ability when the patient gets on the table to register certain, you know, anatomy landmarks with the computer so that the operating plan is changing as the patient moves or as things happen, which is having really significant impact on, on outcomes. And then we have adaptive therapies. How do we change our therapy for an individual patient? And maybe they're changing anatomy. So in radiation treatment planning, we've all sort of probably had a relative that's had to do radiation treatment. And what radiation treatment planning is, we're, we're sending a a beam into a certain pot, spot, spot in your body. And we all know that our relatives have gotten thinner as they've gone through that, right? So obviously the angles would need to be adjusted. And so these kinds of things are, are out there today. So that's the extent of where we are, I think, with these things right now. And we continue, if we draw the line and we say, what are the enabling technologies? You know, Internet of Things, cloud computing, um, electronic health records, telehealth, these are things that are continuing to it, advance, but they're advancing in a way that they're not 100% connected yet. And I think it's going to be a while before we will be just due to these security issues. Right. And um, what is the hierarchy of the digital health ecosystem? Because we know that AI is interconnected into that. And how does it sort of relate? Yeah, that's a great question. Because really AI is sort of the the hammer in the carpenter's box, right? To build the house. So the, the vision is a connected digital health system. And you'll hear people use the word a real-time healthcare system. And so um, in healthcare, the World Health Organization has a hierarchy of information on, on how mortality and morbidity comes together. And they just launched the 11th version. It's called International Classification of Diseases. And this structure is designed to be the basis of a digital healthcare system. And so it's rolling out around the world. It's probably going to be several years before it's out. It's already approved and it's out. And so there's the structures that are coming in and they have to be connected to the electronic health records that are in the hospital, all the medical equipment in the hospital. So we have years of, of being able to connect those. So along the way, we're going to have to sort out policies so that I, I also teach at Carnegie Mellon University and my dean will always say that technology is often more advanced than policies, right? And, and yes. rules and regulations. And so we think about um, 
an example we probably all know about is is Uber, right? The the robots in Uber here at big in Pittsburgh. And if you remember a few years ago, there was an accident and everything stopped while they sorted it out. And you can see even Tesla now, the debates on Tesla, why haven't they deployed their uh, automation in their cars? It's because who's responsible for that accident? Is it the manufacturer? Is it the insurance company? So lots of things to sort out and healthcare is, is going to have those same issues. Right. And is there a way that you think it's going to be able to be combated or is it still very far into the future to know? You know, the telemedicine and the remote monitoring, these kind of activities, if we had a, this discussion prior to COVID, I would have said, you know, it's decades away, but look what we did in a crisis. Okay. So the question is, what's going to perturb us to sort of plow through this and, and you know, get this sorted? So the challenge that we have coming up in this country is as our seniors, our baby boomers get into their elderly age, um, we have more comorbidities. So they could have anywhere from two to three health issues compared to the rest of the population. And we have, although our physicians have been growing over the years, uh, we actually per capita are falling behind. So we have less physicians, less nurses. And so one of the opportunities to help solve that problem would be with technology, right? Monitoring where, where the issues are. And so it's really going to be this, this conundrum of privacy and cybersecurity with the goal of, of connection. And there's going to be these starts and stops that we're going to have not dissimilar to, you know, what Uber had and, and what, you know, Tesla is having. Uh, the question will be, what's, what's the motivation to get this done? Right. And do you think that something has to be a motivator to get this done like immediately? Or do you think that with time, it will eventually be developed where there is a completely digitalized health system? So I, I think something needs to be done, but to, to perturb this, because the healthcare system by its very nature is built on an old legacy system. And it's going to take a lot of money to make those changes. And so they need either uh, a crisis or a push. So one of their crises is they're, um, you know, struggling with profitability. So, and, and a lack of people, nurses and doctors. And so that might be one of the motivations, but another motivation could be a competitive threat. You know, you see Amazon coming in, you see Oracle just uh, bought, you know, an electronic health record company. So I think as, bigger companies come in, there's going to be, a, I'll call it a consumerism. You know, we're no, no longer maybe going to be the patient, we're going to be a client. And that's a, you know, that changes things. And so it could be another national crisis, it could be a policy, or it can be a competitive threat that, that perturbs that I don't know which one's going to going to really get it going. Yes, exactly. And is this something that you think, um, many countries around the world are trying to implement, or is it more centered in the United States and that sort of healthcare system? So we are the most expensive healthcare system in the world and quality ranking globally, we're, we're number 11. So that's, that's a real issue, right? And so if you look at other countries, um, they're anywhere from six, they spend six to 8% less on their gross domestic product than we do. And that's a problem for competitiveness, right? Because in theory, the other countries are investing those in technologies and new markets and, and different things like that. So it, it's, it's, it's a problem for us specifically in the United States. 
And given that a lot of our drug companies are based here in the United States too, the cost of drug development is, is also sort of a US thing at the same time. So I think there's a lot of US concerns specifically. And the other thing is a lot of other countries have a one payer system. And so what that means is the complexity of the system is much easier to understand. So although they may have less motivation, they might actually, because they have one system, have an easier implementation than we do. Well, yeah, that's very interesting. And do you have any um, advice as to people that are trying to understand this? Is there a way that they can um, learn more about how AI can be implemented into the healthcare system? Can you offer any advice on that? Sure. So first of all, I have a, a academic website called healthcaredata.center. So instead of .com, C-E-N-T-R. And I have a whole digital health arm in there. And so there's different presentations and different things that you can see how to do that. But I think patients are starting to ask the questions them, themselves. I, I do it on my annual physical. Why is it you're asking me what my blood pressure is, my blood ox and my how my pulse is doing? And I'm going into the doctor's office and all those things go up because of, they call it, you know, the white coat disease, right? But the fact of the matter is I've got 12 months worth of information sitting on my watch that you can't get access to it. And I think that um, telemonitoring and, and remote uh, telehealth visits, I think since COVID people are saying, why do I have to go in for that? And so I think there's a bit of consumerism that's happening where there's a bit of a push. I don't know if you've... Um, during COVID went to the doctors, but if you went, you know, a lot of times they text you, you know, be in the parking lot at this time, text you, you come right in and within five minutes you're treated. But pre-COVID, you know, they'd queue you up and you'd be out in the lobby for 45 minutes and they'd move you room to room. And by the time you get treated, it was an hour later. And as I talk to people now, um, in some aspects, physician offices would love to get back to that. And the patients aren't tolerating it. So I think there's going to be an expectation from consumers and a push now um, that maybe didn't exist pre-COVID. Right. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all of this, because I think that there's a lot of people that are not aware of how important um, AI is going to be and how important it is already um, in the healthcare system and the health life we live in. So that being said, thank you again for coming and to the listeners, I'll see you next time.